Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope you had a fantastic weekend in the wild and wacky world of sports and beyond. We have some fun in store for you today, including a statewide platform where we offer you the chance to participate as I give the best and worst of my sports weekend. Personally, what I watched on TV and otherwise, there's a lot of NFL on my list. There's a lot of college football on my list. There's a little bit on a whole bunch of other things. As I give you my best and worst of the sports weekend, we invite yours, cast your ballot, ask your question, file your complaint. Michael Jordan is selling huge chunks of the Charlotte Hornets. What is next for the NBA franchise in our backyard, ownership-wise, as Panthers fans are wondering what is next competitively after their 0-2 start? Don't know if it make you, made you feel any better this weekend as an NFL or Panthers fan, but you do have plenty of company. The Panthers and the Steelers were not expected by most to stumble out of the gate. In Pittsburgh's case, remember, they were crushed by the Patriots in week one. They were edged by the Seahawks in week two. Meanwhile, Ben Roethlisberger is seeing a doctor and may need elbow surgery. James Conner, the brilliant former pit running back, also is hobbled. So the Panthers and the Steelers among the ranks of the 0-2 with some big red flags accompanying those ugly records. The Jaguars, the Broncos, Washington, the Bengals, the Giants, the Dolphins, horrific this weekend, and the worst of those 0-2 teams, either the Jets or the Browns, the loser of Monday Night Football tonight, will join that ugly worst of the weekend list with an 0-2 start. In the Giants' case, by the way, they have started 0-2 six of the last seven seasons. Just a piece of history for you. That is not me as an Eagles fan rubbing things in against a fellow member of the NFC East. The Eagles went down last night in Atlanta. If you're a Panthers fan trying to look at the glass half full, you can look at the fact that the Falcons are only 1-1, one one, that the Buccaneers are only 1-1, one and, one, and that Drew Brees has to see a doctor today as well. The Saints are really good. They lost convincingly to the L.A. Rams, but... Drew Brees has to see a hand specialist. He is hoping that it's no big deal, but you never know. The legendary quarterback, of course, central to the success of that organization elsewhere in the NFC South. What was the best thing you saw? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe? And what made it that? Among the best in college football, and I'll give you more of my thoughts in a little bit, but Wake Forest is 3-0, beating the Tar Heels in Winston-Salem in that non-conference game on Friday night. UVA is 3-0, beating Florida State in Charlottesville. Clemson and Alabama, number one and number two, they both went on the road and dominated on the road. Best of the weekend, not so much for an expected victory in their cases, but the Clemson Tigers dominating the Orange of Syracuse, who had given them good games and even beaten them in recent years. Alabama dominating the Gamecocks in Columbia. There were a lot of other best of the weekends in college football. Florida won at Kentucky, Central Florida, Arizona State, BYU, and many more. The worst of the week in college football included many near and far. NC State loses, and in the end, by 17 at West Virginia. A lot of Wolfpack fans had counted on that as a victory. West Virginia has a new head coach. They had been annihilated the week before, the Mountaineers, at Missouri in a Big 12 game, giving even more optimism to the Wolfpack's road trip. 
Instead, it was mostly West Virginia. I'll give you my thoughts on what happened there as we welcome your questions and comments and your votes for best or worst of the weekend. The Wolfpack has plenty of company as well. Pitt, Boston College, Georgia Tech, ECU was embarrassed at Navy. A top 25 Maryland team goes from crushing Syracuse and entering the national rankings to losing to Temple. That was a worst of the weekend. We'll get to the best as well. Of course, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys in the NFL, the L.A. Rams, the Kansas City Chiefs, including their defense for a change, the Atlanta Falcons defense and otherwise, Matt Ryan to Julio Jones for the game-winning touchdown pass on Sunday night football. I watched that one with my Eagles as a part of it. More of my thoughts and more of yours on the NFL weekend that was, the college football weekend that was. Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox is going to drop by in hour number two as our Panthers and NFL super guest of the day. If you like the Baltimore Ravens, you have to love how Lamar Jackson is playing as your young quarterback. He is now one of only a dozen or so quarterbacks in what they call the Super Bowl era, 50-plus seasons now of NFL football. He is one of only a dozen or so who has had a record of 8-1 and one or better in his first nine professional starts. Lamar Jackson, 8-1 and one, as the starter dating to last year for the now 2-0 and oh this year Baltimore Ravens. Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers are 2-0. and Most first-year head coaches have not done well. In fact, Matt LaFleur, brand-new head coach of the Packers, former offensive coordinator under Sean, May Sean McVay with the Rams and then with the Tennessee Titans. So Matt LaFleur inherited more expectations, right, than most of the other guys. If you inherited a train wreck, you're not expected to be great right away. If you inherited Aaron Rodgers and some other good pieces in Green Bay, there are somewhat higher expectations. Well, the Packers beat the Vikings this weekend. That was important. All of the other first-year head coaches combined have only one win. It was actually Bruce Arians of Tampa beating the Buccaneers. Sorry to add that salt to the wound. But they are 1-10-1, the other first-year head coaches. One win, 10 losses, and a tie. So it's Matt LaFleur at 2-0, and the best of those eight first-year head coaches. Another win for his resume at the expense of the Minnesota Vikings. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks got another nice win, in that case over the Steelers. Meanwhile, another former Wolfpack QB, Phillip Rivers, has his team crumbling around him from the holdout Melvin Gordon to major injuries and then even more injuries this weekend. What started this summer as perhaps an optimistic outlook for the L.A. Chargers as Phillip Rivers gets to that more gray-haired version of his NFL career. What that optimism has turned to a sour outlook for the Chargers, another worst of the weekend. The Buffalo Bills join the Niners, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Patriots all at 2-0, all worthy of best of the weekend nominees. We'll get into the details with your help. Y'all know how much I love the little guy and the big guy and everybody in between in college athletics. I will quickly shout out, did you know that we have more than 30 NCAA college football teams in our great state? As we come at you on our unprecedented statewide syndicated network of AM and FM affiliates, of course, you can listen online as well. 30-plus college football teams we have. Now, you all know about the ACC teams or ECU or App State, et cetera. There are 30-plus when you count up all the divisions. Just through three weeks of football, there are only six that haven't lost yet. 
So congrats to Wake Forest and App State at the FBS level. They're undefeated. Davidson, yes, they have a football team, undefeated at the FCS level. And our friends at Lenore Rhine, Wingate, and Livingstone at the Division II level, all undefeated. They are the six that have not yet had a blemish on their record. We'll get to some more on the Deacons' victory over the Tar Heels, the Wolfpack's loss to the Mountaineers. Where do the Panthers go from here? Where does legendary place kicker Adam Vinatieri of the Colts go from here? Struggling badly at 46 years old. The worst stretch of his Hall of Fame career. Sounds like he might be ready to call it a career. He's actually meeting with the media today. It's a day off for his football team, but given more missed field goals, more extra points, more than we've ever seen from one of the great place kickers in modern NFL history, some think that he might be ready to pull the plug on that career entirely. We'll keep you up to date on that through the course of today's program. Boxing fans saw Tyson Fury defend his title. NASCAR fans saw Martin Truex Jr. get a win in Vegas as the playoffs have begun. We have NASCAR tickets to give away for the Sunday September 29th event at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That'll actually be the last before the cutdown. Uh, 16 drivers alive now, 12 alive after the Bank of America Roval 400 on Sunday, September 29th here in our backyard at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're sending a bunch of you there. More on those details during the course of today's program. There was other stuff. Spain, not the United States, won the World Cup of Basketball. Greg Popovich is mad at some of you, his fellow Americans, for what he sees as ridiculous, immature, and sometimes even arrogant criticism of his Team USA basketball team, which slid all the way to seventh place in an event where the Americans are almost always winning it or coming close. Why is UVA basketball coach Tony Bennett a best of the weekend? Chris Berman and Tom Jackson were a best of the weekend. Hockey is back. Preseason games have begun, and the Carolina Hurricanes are just a couple of weeks away from their regular season opener. That will be on Thursday, October 3rd, against the Montreal Canadiens. We hope to see you there. We hope to send you there. More on that story during the course of today's program as well. 1-800-849-2761. Charles Hadley is in for Darren Vaught. Those in the sports hub triad part of our statewide audience. You get to hear my regular producer, Darren Vaught, as the host. As soon as our show ends, his show begins. He is in for friend of the program, Josh Graham, who began his illustrious career many years ago here as an intern at the David Glenn Show and now has his own drive time show in the triad portion of our audience. Why is a four-year-old Florida State football fan selling $20 cups of lemonade? That answer with your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why this weekend? What was the worst thing you saw and why? We'll get into a little bit of a whole lot of things. Baseball, golf, hockey, basketball, and a whole lot of football. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. I'm good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. We really should have been able to put that game away in the fourth quarter, and 
that's what they've done all year. They just come back, they come back, they come back. You know, that last drive we had was huge. The first downs, the conversions, kicking the field goal, making them use their timeouts, and then it became a touchdown game and not a field goal game. A huge shout out to our fan base. That's the way that I'd love to see BB&T every single Friday, Saturday. Fortunately, now it's Saturdays, no more Fridays. The crowd was into it, it was active, and it made a big difference in that football game. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We're playing a little best and worst of the weekend. We are inviting your calls and do have lines open. You can join us from anywhere. Intern Will, representing William Peace University, will be the first voice you hear. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? What was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why? The NFL weekend, week two for the pros, started in our backyard, and the Panthers, we digested most of this on Friday, the Panthers were a worst of the extended weekend for many of you for reasons we discussed in great detail on Friday. Well, the college football weekend started in our backyard as well, and it was the guy whose voice you just heard, one of our recent guests, Dave Clawson of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, getting the victory over another guy who was a recent guest on our show, Mac Brown of the North Carolina Tar Heels. I believe the biggest news in college football's weekend came elsewhere, but it is another big step in the right direction for Wake Forest, 3-0, it's a small step backward for North Carolina at 2-1, and one, but remember, that's ahead of schedule in the eyes of most with as many new guys as they have, including the true freshman quarterback Sam Howell, and as little depth as they have. Injuries already are starting to pile up for the Tar Heels. Some key guys not even available for the Wake game. So they're only a quarter of the way through the regular season, and the depth-shy Tar Heels have a new and different challenge on their hands after their first taste of defeat you can make wake a best of the weekend quick question when's the last time you thought clemson uva and wake forest might be the three best football teams in the atlantic coast conference i've got a quick hint for you if you're about 30 years old or so or younger than that the correct answer is not in my lifetime seriously even i only go back to covering the acc to 1987 and that actually happens to be the last time that Clemson, UVA, and Wake Forest were the top three football teams in the ACC. Remember, Florida State hadn't even joined the league yet. Bobby Bowden's dynasty was not part of the ACC fabric yet. guy named George Welsh was at UVA, and they were often pretty good. Clemson won that national title in the early 80s under Danny Ford, but they were often a top 10 type team in the aftermath of that under various coaches. They are the three best in terms of body of work right now. Clemson, number one nationally. UVA and Wake, both off the 3-0 starts. The Deeks beat the Tar Heels in Winston-Salem. Virginia took out Florida State in Charlottesville. 1-800-849-2761. I'll give you the answer to one of the questions I asked you as we come to your calls. Why is a four-year-old Florida State football fan selling $20 cups of lemonade? Others want in on the Hornets news. Michael Jordan is selling huge chunks of that NBA franchise. What is next for the Hornets based in our backyard? And how many people even care with the Panthers, of course, and the NFL dominating the headlines? The Hurricanes and the NHL back in preseason camp. They actually have a home and home the next two nights preseason only against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you get your first look at Rod Brindamore and Tom Dundon's follow-up team after last year's thrilling playoff run. Meanwhile, the Hornets are an afterthought. Michael Jordan is selling two big chumps chunks of that team more on that with your calls 1-800-849-2761 
is your ticket into the program. As Ben Roethlisberger is seeing doctors today and may need elbow surgery, as Drew Brees of the Saints is seeing a hand specialist but hopes it's no big deal, as legendary place kicker Adam Vinatieri appears to be contemplating retirement, the most off-the-wall, off-the-beaten-trail football story of the weekend comes instead from the college ranks. As we come to your best and worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761, a four-year-old Florida State football fan, young man named Grayton Grant, he has set up a lemonade stand in Tallahassee that he calls Free Willie. Willie Taggart is the second-year head coach of the Seminoles. Y'all know this story by now. That is one of the most successful dynastic college football programs of the last four decades, mainly thanks to Bobby Bowden. But remember, Jimbo Fisher won a national championship there as well. They had been to 30-plus consecutive bowl games. Willie Taggart is hired after Texas A&M, Lord Jimbo Fisher, away from the Seminoles. And Taggart proceeds to go 5-7. and seven. And the long streak built over three-plus decades is gone, never to be grasped again, right? So he entered this offseason already under the microscope, if not on the hot seat. And Florida State has some financial issues that may make it hard for them to pull the trigger on what is a wait for it. At the end of the season, I looked up the number. You know, it's a public university, so you can actually get a copy of a coach's contract as a member of the media. Private universities, it's usually different, but at a public university like Florida State, they have to hand that stuff over when you ask for it. So I looked up the number. What if Florida State wanted to fire Willie Taggart at the end of year two? If you don't know, his first game this season, remember, already under the wrong kind of scrutiny by members of his own fan base. They lose their opener in Tallahassee to Boise State. Now, Boise happens to be a great team from the Mountain West, maybe one of the better teams out there outside the Power Five leagues. Florida State fans don't want to hear that. All they know is they're 0-1, and Willie Taggart was making weird comments about conditioning and dehydration and all sorts of other things that most coaches would not say in such circumstances. Then they follow it up by barely surviving Louisiana Monroe. They needed a missed point after by ULM just to get their first win of the 2019 season. So then they were at least one and one, but in ugly fashion, going to Charlottesville. UVA was my pick and that of many others to win the Coastal this year. They're not like a Clemson-style sledgehammer, but they're probably the second-best team in the ACC this year, and at worst, they're one of the best candidates. I've been telling you all summer, Wake is my in-state pick to be the best of North Carolina this year. And the Demon Deacons at 3-0 deserve to be in that, conversations as, at that conversation as well. Utah State of the Mountain West is no pushover. And the way the Tar Heels were playing with hope and belief and effort under Mac Brown, Friday night was no easy task either. So the Deeks are 3-0. The Cavs are 3-0. Obviously, number one Clemson is 3-0. And to me, they're 1-2-3 and three in the power rankings. Well, Florida State takes a 1-1 one one record to Charlottesville this weekend, hoping that Willie Taggart can change the narrative. If you can go on the road and beat the team that's picked to face Clemson in the ACC football championship game, that's a heck of a road win. That is showcasing more of the talent that you still have on both sides of the ball. If you don't see the Seminoles play much, remember that their running back Cam Akers is one of the best in the ACC. One of their wideouts, Tamari and Terry, one of the best in the ACC. James Blackman, their quarterback, I wouldn't say is one of the best in the league, but he's pretty good. 
better than, say, Matthew McKay was for the Wolfpack in their disappointing loss at West Virginia. NC State's issues can't be blamed entirely on the quarterback, but you can't understand what happened to State in Morgantown without looking at quarterback first. It's a first-year starter there. We'll get into more of those details with some of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. You can't understand it without understanding quarterback, and that is a big issue in my inbox this weekend among angry NC State fans. But back to Florida State. Instead of changing the narrative for the better, they lose to the Cavaliers. Now, in a vacuum, that's not an embarrassing thing. A lot of teams are going to lose to UVA. Pitt had UVA at home this year to start the season and got crushed by the Cavaliers. That's the same Pitt team that gave Penn State a down-to-the-wire finish in Happy Valley. So it's not like the Panthers have nothing to bring to the table. UVA went their road trip and pounded the Pitt Panthers, who had kind of had their number in recent years at UVA. So Bronco Mendenhall at UVA has changed the narrative. That guy went from two wins in his first year and having some fans saying, what's up with this dude they hired from BYU? Well, he went from two wins to surprising and making a bowl. And then after that surprise overachieving season, he he won eight games last year. And now this year he's picked to finish first in the Coastal and so far so good, right? So that is taking an abysmal picture and turning it into something positive. FSU fans have, in their eyes, see Willie Taggart inherit the 30-plus-year bowl streak and turn it into a train wreck. So the Seminoles put up a good fight. I watched that game on Saturday night. It was close. Those two teams looked like they belonged on the same field together. It wasn't like the Cavaliers mopped the, the stadium with the Seminoles. But nevertheless, it was a loss. So now Willie Taggart, after 5-7 and seven at the school that never misses a bowl game, is one and two at the school that never misses the bowl game. I looked up the contract. It could be different if you fired a guy in September. The numbers can vary. But if Florida State fires Willie Taggart at the end of this season, his second as the head coach, it's a $17 million buyout. In my three-plus decades covering college athletics, that would be one of the largest buyouts I've ever seen. There have been a couple that big. Larry Fedora at UNC last year was a $12 million buyout. And remember, you're paying that guy not to coach. That's $12 million to make Larry Fedora go away. Still got to come up with a lot more million to make Mac Brown and his assistant coaches happy on the inbound. So it's an expensive proposition, right? At some point, ADs and university presidents ask themselves the question, what's more expensive Having everybody stop caring about UNC football, or in this case, FSU football, might it be less expensive to pull the trigger on a $12 million buyout for Larry Fedora and then generate hope with the hiring of a national championship coach, Mac Brown? Well, that certainly has worked out well for the Tar Heels so far, right? They sold out of their season tickets. We were there at the Miami game. Almost every seat was filled. They're jacked up. They were well represented in Florida, in uh, Charlotte as a fan base against South Carolina. So numerically, monetarily, and in terms of hope, that $12 million buyout of Larry Fedora right now looks like money well spent. Two-in-one start. Good recruiting under Mac Brown. He seems to have hired good coordinators. The kids are caring. The student body is showing up. Alumni are selling out season tickets. Florida State is going through its own version of this issue, but Florida State is not nearly as wealthy a university as the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Just think of 
UNC as, you know, what was the year of their founding, you know, late 1700s or something like that, right? Oldest public university, yada, yada, yada. Florida State was like a women's teacher's college about a half century ago, seriously. So they don't have centuries worth of deep roots and, and uh, generations worth of wealthy alumni and sports boosters to sort of fill the coffers. So Carolina pulls the trigger on $12 million and they're off to the races. Florida State will have a decision if Willie Taggart keeps losing football games like this, a $17 million decision. Well, four-year-old great Grayton Grant may not understand all of those details, but his father is a Florida State booster and does understand those details. Grayton's father is a man named Daniel Grant. He and four-year-old Grayton worked together on this idea. They came up with the lemonade stand concept right there in Tallahassee. They called it the Free Willy Lemonade Stand, and they are willing to donate to Seminoles Boosters, Inc., the fan booster group that would be asked to come up with at least some of the money, right? Sometimes the athletic department has to pay it. Sometimes they're even tapping into other non-athletic university funds for these coaching buyout things. That makes people who don't like sports especially really, really angry. Sometimes it's the booster club coming up with the bulk of these buyouts. So Grayton Grant and his dad, Daniel, sold $20 per cup lemonade offerings this weekend. And they came up with a grand total of $482 to contribute to the $17 million Willie Taggart buyout. The dad says he has sent that $482 check to Seminoles Boosters. He said he sent that today. The check also includes, as we come to your best and worst of the weekend, phone calls, the Wolfpack, the Panthers, the Steelers, and others, worst of the weekend. The Patriots, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Niners, the Bills, the Deeks, the Cavs, the Tigers, the Tide, the Florida Gators. Duke got another win this weekend. Arizona State, UCF, BYU. All of those best of the weekend. Your call's on the other side at 1-800-849-2761. The check includes a typed note signed by the four-year-old that says this, quote, I am tired of losing football games and being made fun of at school for being a Seminole fan. At four years old, I'm already starting to gravitate toward the color orange. <laughs> you don't want that for an innocent kid like me. Of course, the rival Florida Gators do incorporate orange into their school colors. The dad said, we will be there screaming for the Seminoles to beat Louisville this coming weekend. Seminoles take on Scott Satterfield and the Cardinals. He's gotten some pushback from folks who don't think this is the best way to address a coach that you don't like anymore. We will be there screaming for them to beat Louisville, and every Saturday after that, we'll be there rooting for them to turn it around, he said, the dad, according to the Tallahassee Democrat newspaper. We won't ever stop supporting Florida State football. That's in our blood. But, man, it's getting tougher and tougher. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. I don't even know if that's – it's a great story. Does that make it a best of the weekend? It's kind of a scary story. Does that make it a worst of the weekend? More on the actual football on the field, best, worst, and otherwise. 1-800-849-2761. Was Greg Popovich of Team USA right when he said many American basketball fans were, quote, ridiculous, immature, and arrogant – 
to criticize Team USA for their seventh place finish at the FIBA World Cup of Basketball this weekend when we've pretty much gotten used to winning almost every game and almost every gold medal. The Greg Popovich era off on the wrong foot after an unbelievable winning streak and only a single loss in more than a decade of Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski at the helm of USA Basketball. More on that disappointing finish, more on Greg Popovich calling some of you out. I agree with him in one way. I respectfully disagree with a guy that I hold in high regard in another way. More of my thoughts on that off the football field headline of the weekend with more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox will join us live in less than 30 minutes. More of your best and worst of the weekend question, comments, and ballot stuffing. 1-800-849-2761. Remember when the Panthers started 0-2 last week, we discussed that ugly stat. If you start 0-2... What does history tell us about your chances of making the playoffs? Well, the answer is an ugly answer, 11%. Only 11% of the teams that have started in the modern format, the divisional play as they call it, only 11% of those who started 0-2 actually ended up making the playoffs, the NFL playoffs that year, 11%. As it turns out, by the way, there are nine 0-2 teams in the NFL right now. So numerically... If history is going to be repeated, exactly one out of those nine, right? 11%, one out of nine. Will it be the Panthers, the Steelers, the Jaguars, the Broncos, Washington, the New York Giants, the Bengals, the Dolphins, or tonight's loser between the Jets and the Browns? That team will be 0-2 as well. Which one of those nine will be the turnaround team this year? That's off to the side for another day. There are similar statistics for those who are out to 2-0 and starts. What does history tell us about getting out of the gate that well? The Patriots are 2-0, and so are the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Cowboys. We might have predicted all of them being undefeated through two weeks. I'm not sure everybody had the Bills, the Niners, the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Ravens as five more 2-0 and teams. What do those nine teams look like moving forward? Well, on the field, the answer is one thing. Statistically, the answer is another. I'll give you that stat. 2-0 and teams make the playoffs in the NFL blank percent of the time. The number surprised me a little bit. 1-800-849-2761. Van is in Dobson, North Carolina, and wants to play best and worst of the weekend. Others want to jump back in. What went right? What went right? wrong on the football weekend for their favorite teams, college pro and otherwise. You can be next, 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way, and yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat, I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. show one number i promised breaking news all over the nfl 37 year old pittsburgh steelers quarterback ben roethlisberger has been confirmed by his own coach mike tomlin to be out for the upcoming season he had an elbow problem he does after all need elbow surgery the steelers will have to move forward with mason rudolph after their 0-2 start so that one you can write it in ink no more big ben for the 2019 season the Drew Brees follow-up is also bad news for his team, just not to the same degree. He has a significant hand problem. 
According to ESPN and others, he will need surgery. That breaking news suggests perhaps a six-week timetable for getting back on the field. So he is not done for the season. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter and others, the thumb surgery that he will need after his hand, it was a not as bad looking a play as most serious injuries. Uh, not as bad looking as usual, but a hand hitting a hand. It was Rams uh, defensive tackle Aaron Donald hitting him at the end of an incomplete pass. Breeze had his right thumb and his lower hand and wrist area taped by a trainer on the bench. During that game, he did remain on the sideline in uniform for the rest of that game. He said after it, he was concerned about the severity of the injury. 40-year-old Drew Breeze expected to be out for a six-week period. Charles, you, you were going to remind us about the Panthers and the Saints uh, in this six-week timetable? Yeah, they don't play. Um, the Panthers and the Saints don't play during that time. That's just the Panthers' luck, right? Drew Brees is going to be missing for six weeks. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is both the highest-paid backup quarterback in the NFL and, I would argue subjectively, one of the more well-equipped backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's not like the favorite in the NFC South is going to just you know, fall off the edge of the earth while Drew Brees is gone, but certainly a complication for New Orleans moving forward. As we go to Van and Dobson and you on your best and worst of the weekend, question, comment, vote, or complaint. Since 1990, the modern format, if you will, if you start 2-0, I thought this number would be higher. Doesn't the 11% number hit you hard? If you start 0-2, history tells you only 11% of the time do you make the postseason. Man, that is not quite a death knell, but that is incredibly disheartening if you're a fan of the Steelers, who now have a new complication, the Panthers, the New York Giants, the Bengals, Washington, Denver, Jacksonville. We knew Miami was going to be horrible, so maybe they set themselves up for that disappointment even before the season started. Either the Jets or the Browns will fall to 0-2 tonight. They play each other on ESPN on Monday Night Football. So there will be nine 0-2 teams, and one out of nine is around 11%. So maybe one of those nine, maybe it's your Panthers, bounces back and makes a postseason run. We'll see. So I looked up the other number. If you start 2-0, not just the ones we would have predicted, Cowboys, Rams, Chiefs, Patriots, but I don't know as many people who had the Bills off to a 2-0 start or the Niners, even the Packers under their first-year coach, Matt LaFleur, the Seahawks, the Ravens, maybe you had them, maybe you didn't, but those nine are all 2-0, and that's, of course, where you want to be. Since 1990, 2-0 teams make the NFL playoffs blank percent of the time. I, I really would have thought it was somewhere between like two-thirds and three-quarters of the time, like high 60s, maybe low 70s percent of the time. The actual number is closer to 60%, roughly three out of five. I thought it would be better. I mean, the NFL's hard, right? Maybe your 2-0 and is a mirage because of whom you've played. In the case of the Buffalo Bills, I don't want to take anything away from them, but they have played the Jets and the Giants, right? <laughs> Neither is expected to be all that good. So your 2-0 and might be a mirage. Still, it doesn't get better than 2-0. and And the Bills against the Giants this weekend, won by two touchdowns, did it on the road. And looking into the details a little bit, the young quarterback, Josh Allen, led the Bills on scoring drives of 75 yards, 74 yards, and 98 yards. That's not a mirage. Like, if you get a tipped ball and a defensive touchdown or maybe a wild card punt return or something, that can disjoint the final score and make it look more 
exaggerated a win than it really was. No, that's dominating football. Again, still against inferior opposition if you're the Buffalo Bills, but they haven't been 2-0 all that often. They are another best of the weekend for getting out of the gate the right way. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, Matt LaFleur and the Packers, Lamar Jackson and the Rams. How about Eddie Pinero and the Chicago Bears? The young place kicker hits the game winner from 53 yards at the franchise where kickers go to die basically he does it under those circumstances to beat the broncos 1-800-849-2761 scary development as we go to van and matt and you the kansas city chiefs uh, clearly i think we'd all agree offensive juggernaut under andy Reid with that young quarterback patrick mahomes they're flexing defensively as well that's a warning bell to the rest of this league because if they can play well on that side more consistently, they were great. It was only against the Raiders, but 28-10, to 10, the defense played great. You know the offense is going to be great. The Rams and the Chiefs not only off to 2-0 starts, but in dominating fashion. I would add the Patriots and the Cowboys to that list as well, 2-0 and and dominating on the way. Van and Dobson, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Yeah, thanks. Uh, comment on Popovich's uh, uh, pushback on the fans that it criticized him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little bit uh, hypocritical. Uh, Popovich can be pretty arrogant himself. Uh, also, uh, uh, he got jump-started on his guru status when uh, David Robinson got hurt. He got Tim Duncan in the first mm. pick, and then he had Robinson and Duncan together for two years and got him kick-started. So just comment on that. Yeah, appreciate the call. There's no doubt that Greg Popovich has an aspect of his personality that is arrogant. There's no doubt about that. I'm not going to fight you on it. I'm one of those people who always likes to just look at somebody's argument. In other words, if there's somebody I don't like, that doesn't mean that whatever they're saying isn't true. And if there's somebody that I do like, that doesn't mean that whatever they're saying is automatically true right like I'm just kind of my lawyer brain my journalist brain I go to the the correctness or the incorrectness of the argument rather than whether you like the guy uh, Greg Popovich in case you're just joining us called many American basketball fans some combination of quote ridiculous immature and arrogant well anybody who's seen the way pop not as much lately but earlier in his career treated NBA sideline reporters to me that's not only arrogant that's mistreating people because it's not those sideline reporters' fault that your franchise, it's not like the San Antonio Spurs didn't sign off with their TV partners. Yes, we're making our coaches available to help you market this great game, and we're in this as partners as we present the best the NBA has to offer on TV and otherwise, right? If your franchise agrees to those terms, you certainly shouldn't mistreat the sideline reporter. Uh, and at the very least, you should do a little bit more than the bare minimum when you're, you're barking at somebody because you don't want to be standing there. I get it. If you're a coach, most of you don't want to have a microphone stuck in your face in the middle of the game. So Popovich, his arrogance has come out in that context, among others. But I find him compelling 90% of the time. I mean, he's one of those guys, I'm not really 100% on anybody. Those of you who like anybody 100% of the time, frankly, you scare me. Like, that's what a cult is all about. If you like somebody 100% of the time, you probably need to seek professional help because you're scaring the rest of us. Nobody is 100%. Nobody is 0%, although some try us on a regular basis. And Pop, to me, is more of a 90% what he says is on the right track, 10% I have a bone to pick, and this weekend's comments were a combination of the two. As we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. I'll tell you on the other side, where I think Greg Popovich was right calling out 
American basketball fans as ridiculous, immature for their criticism, even arrogant, he said, for their criticism of our country's seventh place finish at the Basketball World Cup. Where I think he's off base, but where I think he's right. That in your calls next. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox will help us pick over the NFL weekend, even look forward to next week. He'll join us in about five minutes. More of your best and worst of the weekend phone calls as well. Where Greg Popovich is right. He called American basketball fans ridiculous, immature, even arrogant for their criticism of our country's seventh place finish in China at the FIBA World Cup. We lost to France. We lost to Serbia. That's why we ended up in the seventh place game. Where he's right is this. If you're personally attacking any of the 12 men who actually agreed to represent our country, you are a classic example of just scatter shooting at everybody because you're mad about something. Oh, your country wasn't the greatest this time. Who's the last person you should attack? How about the 12 guys who actually said yes after 30-some guys said, no, I don't want to represent my country? Like, isn't that weird? Is it asking too much? I know we're living in a non-nuanced country right now to our demise. But is it asking for a lot, like a second step of thought? You're mad. And for where Pop is wrong, by the way, American fans, when we have the best basketball population in the world and it's not close, you have a right to say, what the heck is going on when you finish seventh? That's where Pop is a little too protective. Where he's right is, <laughs> how about turning your angst on those responsible if you have to turn it anywhere at all? There's some really weird stuff. I'm mad about this. So I'm just going to blame everybody close to that issue and treat them poorly. That is asinine, and that's where Pop is right. Charles Davis on the NFL, next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.